Welcome to the Not-For-Profit On Purpose podcast series. This series is designed to help guide you on your journey through the not-for-profit space in terms of all things not-for-profit, including structures, setting up your not-for-profit, how you report, board governance, accounting, and anything else you could possibly think of in regards to not-for-profit. G'day, Justin Hall from RightSource here talking governance and the great outdoors. What better thing to do? Today, I want to talk about uh, something a bit more technical, and we've been working with a number of boards at the moment in terms of refreshing their governance and setting up their governance for a couple of them as well. And one of the starting points that um, we work with when we're looking at governance is the board charter, or the board terms of reference, or how you want to talk about that. But that's, um, to me, the starting point of governance of an organization when you're first setting it up especially, but also if you're refreshing, that's sort of where you want to start. And I wanted to talk to you today sort of what, what that is, why have a charter, and sort of why it's important for the organization. So the first reason, why would you have a charter? Well, in any organization, whether you're not-for-profit or even a small business for-profit or for-profit business of any size, that board charter is one of the first things you should put in place. And I've seen this in um, a lot of startups, um, especially in the for-profit sector, where you know, a group of, of people get together and they, they start doing their business and they're all off and running and it all falls apart. And quite often that's because they haven't agreed how they're going to work together, how are decisions made, how are things decided. That's your board charter. The board charter is your first evidence point in governance in terms of how we do things here. And that's something you want to agree right up front because that way you know how things are going to be decided. So how often do you hold meetings? Who? How are, the, how are decisions decided at those meetings? Is it, you know, does there have to be consensus? Is there a majority? Um, if there's, a, if there's a, a, you know, a stalemate, how is that decided? So these decisions up front before there is any animosity or any problems, it's always good to decide this stuff when everything is going smoothly and you know, you've got an open, everyone's got an open mind to how the best way to operate is. So that's why you start. And this is that, that's the same for for-profit and not-for-profit. Everywhere should always have a, a, a board charter um, to understand how the directors are going to track. So we sort of touched on it a bit, but what do you include in a board charter? So a board charter should talk about, it should touch on the fact you know, the constitution is there. That's, that's where the directors are getting their power from. Um, that's what's the main sort of starting point governance document of the organization. So you should pull out some of the, the stuff that the constitution is dictating to the organization. So which will be stuff like, you know, how do, you, how, do, how do directors get appointed to the board? How many directors should be on the board? Are there any specific requirements in the constitution that need to be met before someone's a director? So, you know, covering those things off, but giving them a bit more flavor in terms of how they're going to be executed procedurally. You can then add to that in terms of, well, what other stuff do you want to look at in terms of, you know, when directors are brought on, when directors are moved, how often that happens, what skills they need to bring. That's the type of stuff you can sort of start to put down in the charter in terms of the right skills. And if you're working in NDIS space, do they need to have the right um, approvals prior to joining the board? Do you check for criminal history check? Those type of things which are a bit more procedural, but help protect your organization are good to have in your charter. You then can go into things like induction and performance review directors so that, you know, 
people well, and performance review the board. Like, are you going to do that? Are you going to check in on how you're performing? And if you are, who's going to do that? How's the process going to work? How frequently? Start thinking or teasing those questions out because then you can start holding yourself to account as a board and actually making sure you are doing those things. Then you start getting into, I suppose, some of the uh, how meetings are run. So, you know, how frequently are you going to meet as a board? What things are coming to the board in terms of the papers? Like, are they coming um, a week before the board? You know, put that down. Make sure that, so that, you know, there's an expectation set and people know, especially as organizations start to grow, what those expectations are. Now, how long a board meetings run? Do you set up, uh, is there going to be a committee structure set up as well? And if, if so, what are those committees going to be doing? How do they interact with the board? Start fleshing out. And it doesn't have to be right. I suppose this is the thing. Like all governance documents and like you're documenting how things work now or how you'd like them to work. It, it can evolve. So as your organization changes and grows or shrinks, as the case may be, you can evolve this document. It's about really having something that's agreed so that you can then evolve it. If you don't write any of this stuff down, you'll never know if you're right or wrong. At least if you write it down and you go, well, that didn't work. Let's change that because, you know, meeting every three months isn't enough. We're going to move it to meeting every two months plus an extra one or something. We'll change it and then agree to it. And then that's how we're going to do it. If you change it, change it and agree to it. And that way everyone is on the same page and it allows that and corporate knowledge and corporate history to be passed on as well. So you've done this work to understand how the board functions best and when papers are delivered, all this type of stuff. That's all documented and there's a change in the board and you know, new directors come on, old directors go. They don't have to reinvent that. It, they can rely on, well, this is how it was being done previously. Let's try that out first and see if it works. And that way you're helping build the level of knowledge within the organization so that you're not continually reinventing the wheel. Plus then you can also start to touch on things like diversity. So if you are wanting to have a board that has diversity, you know, it may be that the people who have initially set up the organization don't represent a diverse board. That's quite often the case because quite often it's a bunch of people who know each other who set these organizations up. And because they know each other, they have a lot in common and not necessarily a lot of diversity. So one of the challenges, especially on the newer not-for-profits, is to help build that diversity in the board. So start thinking about, well, what skills do you want on the board, but also what lived experience do you want? Because that can often, that experience part can help you find or help you create a more diverse board. So if you want people with lived experience in certain aspects, or if you do want you know, gender diversity, age diversity, ethnic diversity, you know, if you want that built into your board, if you put that in the charter as one of the things you need to achieve, when you go to do your recruitment, you'll be looking at your charter and going, oh, well, actually, these are the things that we've said are important. Let's go and find that. Gives you a better chance of success. It doesn't mean you will, but it gives you a better chance. The next thing in terms of the charter is a lot of it's talking about how the board's going to operate. And that tends to be, you know, if you're starting, if you start your organization, that's the first piece of governance you put in. Well, that is because it's just the board. But as the organization grows, a really important part is devolving that authority to others so that it's more than just the board who can do things. And that's often through a delegations of authority, but it can start in the board charter and there should be some mention of it in the board charter in terms of how authority is delegated within the organization and then eventually um, point to other policies. And that's that's probably leads on to the next point is that 
when you first start up, you're not for profit, actually. It doesn't matter. At any stage, you're not for profit. You may not have every policy that is best practice. We, we don't have a, you know, a, a performance review policy or still skills matrix or you know, how we recruit our directors. We don't have a recruitment policy. But if you have something stated in your board charter to at least give a direction on how you want to do it, it at least gives you a starting point. So this is why I start with the board charter because it should really touch on a lot of the areas on how your organization operates. Now, though it might touch on it, then you'll go, okay, well, quite often the next policy I would look at after the board charter would be the delegations of authority. But that will be informed by the board charter. So if your board is only meeting every three months, well, that will inform how much authority your CEO will need to be able to continue for three months without needing to come back to the board. If the board, the board charter might be specific on things that, you know, these are items that the board will always make the decision on. Well, then you make that clear in your delegation of authority too. So it makes sure that these things connect in and you can flow the governance through the organization and it's all consistent. To get that consistency and that policy flow, it all starts at the board charter. And the last thing with the board charter is, and we talked about it, it allows information to be passed on to future directors, but it also, if there is, if things do go wrong at a board level, if there is aggravation or differing point of views on how the organization should be run, it is an evidence point to say, well, this is what we agreed and how we agreed it would be run. Now, <laughs> that doesn't mean that solves all arguments, but it does at least give you a way to, if there is a disagreement on how something should be decided, you can at least go back and hopefully see how you agreed previously it would be decided and that might help you get through those issues. Or if there are underperforming directors, you may have already decided how you get directors off the board or how you deal with performance issues. I mean, if that's already agreed and then you have a, that sort of issue at that board level, it allow the conversation to be less personal. So it'll be able to be a little bit more objective. I mean, these things are always very emotive and are very personal, but it'll allow you to at least have a, a reference point you can point to that isn't just arguing. So that's probably the a summary in terms of why board charter is important. And one of the first documents I look at in terms of uh, how uh, understanding how governance of an organization is working. And if we want to review and, and improve the governance, that's the starting point for me is always the board charter. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast series. And if you'd like some more information, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, thanks for listening. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource.